following podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. If you have your Bibles, let's open them up to Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah chapter 35, and you're, you, um, I'm excited about this one. This, well, I'm excited about everyone we talk about here. All the chapters, all of the books, and all of the messages that God has for us. I'm really excited about this one, and I, and I think you're going to be encouraged by it as well. And, it, and it's really, really connected, as you're going to see, to what we just got through singing about. You're going to see once again and be encouraged and just how worthy our God is. And because of what He's, it has been doing, is doing, and is going to be doing on our behalf. So, as you know, we've been going through the book of Isaiah, kind of picking out some chapters, and today, chapter 35, Isaiah is serving the Lord, he's the Lord's prophet, and he's doing this and being the Lord's prophet in a, during a, a difficult time, it's a difficult day in the, in the times of Israel, the people of Israel have turned their backs on the Lord, if, you know, it's like, how could they do that kind of thing, and yet we're, we can be just as guilty, right? They have turned their backs on the Lord, the one who has been so good to them. But they find themselves now, nevertheless, facing the consequences and the discipline of God because of their rebellion and their sins. The nation is under oppression by the big bully on the block at the time, the Assyrians. And the people are terrified and obviously concerned about their future. And so in the midst of this difficult time, this difficult hour, Isaiah is going to deliver a message of such powerful hope and comfort. In the midst of the prophesying he's been doing and talking about the judgment and the devastation that's going to be coming as the consequences of their turning back on the Lord, in the midst of all that, he's going to proclaim now an amazing message of hope. And comfort. He writes to tell the people that a better day is coming. How does that come across to your hearts today? A better day is coming. He seeks to comfort the people by speaking about the coming king and his kingdom. While there will be consequences for their sin, God wants the people to know that in the great big grand scheme of things, he is not kicking them to the curb. He is not washing his hands of them. Far from that. In fact, he is wanting them to know, as he's wanting us to know, that everything God does is for the good of his people. Everything he does has redemptive value. Amen? So God issued through Isaiah a wonderful, amazing promise that someday the future of the earth will be transformed. It is going to be perfected, and it is going to be filled with joy. And, you know, in times of what we've just had in our worship time, just a, just a small, minuscule taste of what it's going to be 24-7 in that time. So the earth is going to be perfected, filled with joy. This is a glorious description 
of what we have here again of the Messiah's millennial kingdom that is in our future. The future of the earth, whether it would appear so at this moment in time, the future of this earth is actually bright. It really is in, in God. It's hopeful, it's promising, and encouraging. The Lord is going to change this evil world back to, if you will, a garden of Eden. So we're, that's the future. That's what we're headed for, <laughs> which I can hardly wait. How about you? You see, what we have here in Isaiah 35 is a vivid portrayal of the transformation that will take place. And I believe, as I've already said, that you are going to be encouraged by what God promises to do in the future and what he is doing even now in our present. Pretty exciting, right? So let's pick it up at the very beginning of chapter 35, verses 1 and half of verse 2. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. Other translations will use the word other verses and passages in the Bible will take that Hebrew word that is here in the NIV as crocus. And some of you, if anybody here have the New King James Version? It says the rose, right? Yeah. So that's what we're looking at here. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like the rose. It will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. Are you noticing what's shouting for joy here? At this point, it's not people. It's the earth. <laughs> Pretty interesting, really, if you stop and think about it. The desert will bloom like a rose that is already being seen in the nation of Israel. When they returned to the land back in 1948, it really was a barren wasteland. Now Israel is a, is a green oasis of, of prosperity and abundant agriculture. It looks really nice now, but not even close to what it's going to look like in the millennial kingdom. Now, just a, a quick detour here. I, I just want to say and that... Um, there, there was a song that was popular back in the 1980s that always intrigued me. And I always kind of, uh, you know, responded to it in, in, a, in a way that just brought God to the forefront. Because in my mind, as I would listen to this song, I would think God. And I would think of him as his, in his redemptive value and in the way he brings hope and comfort and how he can bring back to life that which seemed to be dead at one point. And so the, the song that I'm referring to is a song you've all heard a thousand times. It's called The Rose, right? Yeah. And so toward the end of that song, here are the words. Just remember in the winter, far beneath the bitter snow lies the seed that with uh, son's love, and of course for me it's S-O-N <laughs> and not S-U-N, lies the seed that's with the son's love in the spring becomes a rose. And so, you know, whether it be winter, cold, barren, death-like, or desert, torched, parched, barren, 
the principle remains the same. Amen? Our God is the God of resurrection. He's a God that brings new from the old and life from that which was once dead. And so, like the rose, wow, scientists tell us, speaking of deserts and barren lands, I came across this this past week. I found it so interesting. Scientists tell us that the deserts on our planet are expanding at an alarming rate. Check this out. They said 10,000 square miles of desert are being added to North Africa yearly. Like, oh my goodness. But, (laughs) let's come back to God's word, right? But, when the kingdom comes, guess what? The desert will suddenly rejoice and blossom and become like a rose. In Romans chapter 8, Paul tells us that all creation is groaning, right? You've all read that, waiting for the day of redemption. So it tells us, you know what that is also saying to us? In other words, even the earth realizes it is in a fallen condition. But when the Lord comes back and establishes His kingdom, everything is going to be made right once again. Hallelujah is right. All will be made right once again. Look at the rest of verse 2. It says, um, the glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel. And Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Lebanon, Carmel, and Sharon were known as the most beautiful of places in ancient Israel. And we're being told here that the glory of Lebanon, which is a reference to the fragrant cedar forest that exists there, Carmel was known for its mighty oak trees and Sharon for its beautiful, lush, green pasture land. The beauty of all three will come together and be given to the land in the coming kingdom. The earth will be restored to the original beauty and glory that God intended. Once again, Garden of Eden-like, okay? As a result of the total transformation... The whole earth will be filled with beauty of nature, with the radiance and the majesty of God. Please don't miss that little connection there, which is really a big connection. The beauty, the glory, the majesty of our God is what now the earth will take on. Wow. All the citizens of the earth will be witness to God's glory in nature. But even more incredible... They will be able to see the Lord living upon earth as our perfect ruler and king. Ruling in what we talked about and mentioned last week in a perfect government. Something you and I have no idea what what that would be like, right? (laughs) Perfect government. Verses 3 and 4 now. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will give, he will come to save you. 
The people are to comfort themselves with the promise of this coming kingdom. They are to rest in the Lord's promise to deliver them from their oppressors. Good news, right? Fear should never be allowed to take over our hearts. Would you agree? We mentioned last week that fear should never, ever be present in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. Should never be allowed to take over in our hearts, turning us into nothing but cowards is what the result of that would be. God's people are to keep their eyes on the glorious future promised by the Lord. Folks, can you already begin to see how incredibly important and significant this is? So when we talk about keeping our eyes on Jesus, this is part of that. Because we can get caught up looking at what's going on around in the world, and that can bring us down, can't it? But we're to be people of hope and strength, not fear and not depression, not anxiety, but hope strength and comfort because of who our God is and because our eyes are on him. And so how are we to strengthen people who feel weak or fearful? We are to tell them and remind them as we remind ourselves, the Lord is coming back. Now, guys, gals, That's not pie-in-the-sky theology. Please understand that. It's God's Word given to us practically. The way to strengthen people, whether it is yourself or others, is to say, fear not, be strong. Your God will come and save you. Restore all things, including yourself. We're just pilgrims. We're just traveling through this place, right? On our way to a city. Don't you love that? Don't smile too hard now. Folks, did you hear what I said? Come on. We're travelers. Traveling this road that we've been put on. And we're in our journey. Our destination is a city. Not made by hands of man, but the architect who is God. A city where there will be joy everlasting. Oh, and may the world see that in us. May our lives take on the countenance and the kind of aspiration and inspiration that would say, this is where I'm headed. You want to come with me? (laughs) How are we to strengthen each other by reminding each other where we're headed? Fear not, be strong. Your God is coming, and he'll make all things new. We're headed to a city with a sure foundation. Amen? Amen. Solid. Again, whose architect and builder is God, Hebrews 11.10 tells us. It's a place that is solid and secure, a place that will not shift with the changing winds of politics or economics or culture. If we lose sight of this, if we begin to think that this is all that there is, we become vulnerable to discouragement and depression and even falling away. But if we'll realize that God is coming back, 
and that he will make all things right, (laughs) then we will be encouraged and strengthened and able to continue on no matter what is going on around us and do so with peace and with joy. Verse 5 and 6 now. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. There will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. When the glorious transformation of the earth takes place, so will it be for our bodies. How many are here today and say, I could stand a little transformation in my body? <laughs> I'm with you. Can't hold my arms up too long because they'll you know, start to hurt. All disabled believers will be healed and restored to health. Just because we got a couple of doctors in the in the building, (laughs) sorry, there'll be no need for you then. (laughs) But that's okay, right? No hospitals, no doctor visits. (laughs) Everyone restored to health. All the blind will be able to see. All the deaf will be able to hear. No more hearing aids. (laughs) Crippled believers will leap like deer. And the mute, oh, I love this. The mute, those who cannot speak, guess what the first thing is going to be coming out of the mouth? And it's not going to be a whisper. Hallelujah, God reigns. And he is so good. It says the mute will shout out for joy all the land that had been ruined and parched will be transformed and changed into fertile soil that is well watered water will flow both in the wilderness and in the desert it says and streams and rivers will flow abundantly across the face of the earth Now, keep in mind, church, and I want to make this connection for you because you'd be like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, all right. Keep in mind what we learn in the book of Revelation with regards to what happens to this earth, right? Those of you who have been through that study in Revelation, remember, recall, there's seven seals, there's seven trumpets, and there's seven bowls of God's wrath, and all of those do quite the number on this earth and with regards to devastation and, and, and fire and torment and water being dried up, water being turned to blood. It's like, don't forget that. So when we read what God is going to be doing in renewing, Keep that in mind. It's pretty important. Verse 7. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs. (laughs) In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. The phrase burning sand here. This is interesting. Literally refers to A mirage. That's what this term in the original language is alluding to. That that which offers the deceptive look of water 
Isaiah is telling us will actually become, in reality, real water. Not just a mirage, not just a trick of our eyes, but in reality, real and true. And when, of course, when I think about water, especially in that time and in that day, in that millennial kingdom, I'm thinking living water. Amen. Pure, pure living water. The allusion here is to a desert mirage that is in the kingdom what we only imagined. In other words, you see, it's like kind of like whatever our thoughts might be, whatever we could have imagined of what that might be and look like while we live in this dry, dusty, beat-up, barren world <laughs> that we are in will become a reality, whatever that was, and what is being laid out here for us, when we long, what we long for and what we have thirsted for will actually truly come true. Verse 8, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. In Isaiah's time, because of the Assyrian invasion that was so impending, it was not safe to travel the roads. Today, the, the day will come when safety will be restored to the land. The Messiah's kingdom will have a very special highway, we are told here, running through the midst of it, a highway that will be known as the highway of holiness. The people will once again be able to go and travel to the city, <laughs> the new Jerusalem, to worship the Lord in what? In holiness and in peace and in joy. Isaiah is writing about a real road, an actual highway that will exist in that day. But I want you to know about a spiritual road that exists in our day. And that's so, what's so awesome about what we are being given here in Isaiah 35. And I want you to see the blessings that Israel is still looking forward to happen to be ours even in the present as New Testament believers in Christ Jesus. Now, quickly, watch this. From verses 1 and 2, the dead, desolate desert of our hearts has blossomed because the rose of Sharon, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, has moved in and has filled our souls with His divine fragrance. From verse 3, the weak hands that could only reach out for evil are being strengthened due to the eternal work of the Lord. Instead, the weak knees that could only bend at the altar of selfish living and sin have been enabled to bow down before the presence of the Lord. From verse 4, the Lord has invaded our deadness and our darkness and our depravity. He has visited us and He has saved us. Hallelujah. He has replaced our fear with his peace and his comfort and his grace. From verse 5, our blinded eyes have been opened and we have seen him. Amen. <laughs> Spiritually, right? With spiritual eyes, we've seen him and have comprehended his truth. 
and his glory. Our deaf ears have been unstopped and we have heard his call to follow him into new life. From verse 6, our lame feet have been restored to wholeness and we have been enabled to walk in his ways where once before we could not. Our foolish tongues have been set free and instead of griping and complaining and unwholesome talk pouring out of our mouths, we can now sing and shout about the goodness of our God. We're from verse 7, the parched dry ground. Of our hearts has become a mighty river of living water. Oh, is living water gushing from your souls today? Remember what we're told in John chapter 4, verse 14. But those who drink the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring. Where once there was parchedness within us, becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. The mirage that we were trying to reach has been transformed into reality. Instead of reaching for a goal that offered nothing but deadness and deception, we have been given real peace, real joy, real hope, real salvation, and real satisfaction as well. Godly contentment. The earth has become a place of glory, blessing, and the dwelling of the Lord God Almighty. According to these verses, God has redeemed us. He has restored us and placed our feet on a new road. Folks, as a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, you're a walking rose that has bloomed in what was once a desert in your own hearts and in your own lives. As Isaiah speaks to the Jewish people about the highway that will exist during the millennial kingdom, we can see something about the spiritual road we are walking today. And so let's take a look at some of the characteristics of this road and, and the impact it can have on our own lives and our hearts. Back to verse 8. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. Okay? This refers to a, a royal road. In ancient times, powerful kings would actually build highways, roadways, through their kingdom. So we're not talking major long rows like from Parachute to Denver kind of thing, you know, but just through their, their, their immediate kingdom areas. They would build roads. These roads were elevated, built up roads. This, this prevented the king's progress from being deterred from like passing herds or flocks, wild animals, or any other kind of hindrance that might exist. These roads were, were easy to recognize well-maintained and, and kept open at all times. It was a safe, quick way for the king to travel from one place to another within his kingdom. 
And since no one knew exactly when the king might be on that road, no one was allowed to use that road. No common people. It was only for the king and his entourage, those who belonged to him. Hmm. There was a time in our lives when we could not walk this heavenly highway. Amen? Our feet were firmly planted on the low road of life. We wandered across the burning sands, the treacherous byways of this world. We were stumbling along, picking our way blindly toward the eternal fires of hell. Each step caused us to get stuck even deeper and deeper in our sins. Oh, but when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we were lifted from the low road of sin and our feet were placed on the high road of salvation. <laughs> it's a higher highway. Amen? Amen? And so it's referred to a highway, but I want you to see it as a highway. That's <laughs> what we're talking about. It's a higher highway. And only those who know the king can walk on it. And those who travel on it will walk together. Our brothers and sisters, the family of God, will walk together in love and in righteousness as the Prince of Peace reigns in this new kingdom. So it is a highway, but it is also a holy way. This road is called a way in verse 8, also referred to as the way of holiness. It's a path. In other words, the, the terminology here is referring to a path, a course of life. It's for those who are mentioned, I think, in what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is, she is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We are living in a day where some people who claim to know Jesus seem to prefer riding the fence. You know what I'm saying? compromising and lukewarm with a foot in the world and a foot in the church thinking that a little sin here and there never hurt anybody never hurt anything couldn't be further from the truth you see the Lord expects his people who are new creations 2 Corinthians 5 17 he expects those people to live as such the old is gone, the new has come. So it's a highway, it is a holy way, and in verse 9 we see that it is a safe way. Look at verse 9 with me. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed <laughs> will walk there. The lion and ravenous beasts are not permitted on this road. Ravenous here means literally violent one or murderer. Anybody come into your mind? Yeah. As long as the believer stays on the high and holy way, it will be a safe way. 
safe from attacks of those who are seeking to destroy us, right? We know this already. We all know that we are constantly 24-7 stalked by our enemy, amen? Our enemy known as, and I've told you this before, whenever I have to spell his name, it's always with a little s. Satan, Satan would love nothing better than for us to fall off this highway into his claws. But he cannot touch those. Hallelujah, right? He cannot touch those who are walking the king's highway. During the millennial kingdom, he will be bound. So that's good news, right? But in the present... Even now, he has no power over us. We may hear his growl every now and then. <laughs> but in the kingdom age, not even a peep from the roaring lion of 1 Peter 5.8 will be heard. Those who have been rescued from sin and Satan, the redeemed of the Lord, can walk this road in total peace. And absolute safety. I know every single one of you are big fans of peace and safety. Right? Yeah. But when we allow ourselves to get distracted and come down from the highway, we become vulnerable to attack. In fact, if you, you can just ask Samson about that. He will tell you there is a high price to pay. For that kind of distraction. And so it's a highway. It is a holy way. It is a safe way. And verse 10 lets us know it is also a joyful way. Look at verse 10 with me. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. I love that. Those of you who kind of are like this, you know, during worship time and just not into it, guess what? <laughs> you will be overtaken. <laughs> and you're not going to be able to help yourself. You're not going to be concerned about, well, that's not cool. <laughs> yeah. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Note the purpose for the highway. It is to be the road by which the ransomed of the Lord will return to him. You see, if a person is to return to the Lord, then they first must be redeemed must be someone who is indeed ransomed from the Lord. When the Lord calls individuals to the promised land from their captivity to sin and evil and wickedness, well, they must respond. They must return to the Lord by traveling along this way of holiness. Don't miss that. God is letting us know right here which I think this is pretty interesting. I love this. He letting us know right here that this idea that is out there in the world that all roads lead to God, he's telling us right here, not true. There's just one. 
And it's the way of holiness, the king's highway. He's letting us know that. Yes, in our day, the road can become difficult. And the strength of the traveler can often at times seem to be fading away. But they travel on with joy. You want to know why? Because our eyes are up here. And we're not forgetting what lies in our future. They can travel on with joy in their hearts because they anticipate what awaits them at the end of the journey. Somewhere along the line, we, we got and picked up a, this mistaken idea that holiness means joylessness. Once again, nothing could be further from the truth. Here, however, we see that as we are cruising down the way of holiness, joy will replace heaviness and gladness will replace sadness. The highway of holiness will be filled with singing and rejoicing. In other words, no grumps allowed. What road are you walking today? Seriously. Does there need to be a come to Jesus <laughs> encounter for you? Not necessarily even in terms of whether you need to be saved or not. But have you been living like someone who is? Do those who know you see a new creation? Do they see someone inspired by God and His Spirit and His Word? Someone living the life that God has purposed us to live. What road are you walking? Is it the way of holiness or your own way? The way of this world. The Lord's highway is the best possible way. Those who walk the King's highway get to experience His peace, His joy, his presence, his blessings along the way. There's not a better path through the jungle and the wilderness of this world than the king's highway. Would you agree? Walk in his ways, church, and you will find true joy and true peace for your hearts and your soul forever. Keep walking this path. Do not look for an exit. Stay the course. Keep the finish line in mind. <laughs> You're headed to the new city, the new Jerusalem. Stay focused there where everything <laughs> will be made right forever. This is truly something to look forward to. I think this is truly something to live for today. Would you agree? And so hopefully you are, and hopefully you will. want to finish with this. I've sh shared this in times past. I wanted to bring it once again as a way of ending this Isaiah 35 talk today. It's a quote from a guy named William Gurnall. It's found in the book by John Eldridge, Wild at Heart. As part of Christ's army, you march in the ranks of gallant spirits. Every one of your fellow soldiers is the child of a king. 
some like you are in the midst of battle, besieged on every side by affliction and temptation. Others, after many assaults, repulses, and rallyings of their faith, are already standing upon the wall of heaven as conquerors. From there, they look down and urge you and me, their comrades on earth, to march up the hill after them. And this is their cry, fight to the death. And the city is your own, as it is ours even now. Hallelujah. May we march and march on, amen, in the power of our King, and in the joy and in the peace that He provides. The time is now, church. You can't sit there right now and say, yeah, that's good stuff, couldn't agree more, and then do nothing about it. Do something about it. Lord Jesus, your name that is above every name, your name that there will be a day when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you are Lord. It is at the name of Jesus that every demon trembles at the sound of your name. (laughs) And Lord, I just pray that even in, in this moment for the rest of our days, you bring a, a, a reverence and a holy awe to our hearts with regards to your name. And that we will take that holy awe and reverence and live it out. Inspired by your presence and by your word and the work that you have done for us and accomplished for us at Calvary. That we would put you on display that we would push back the darkness and that we would make you known in this world, that we would live with the end in sight because it has everything to do with how we live in the present. May our eyes be on you. May we stay on the path you have put us on. May we continue marching forward, not looking for an exit. And no matter how hard it might get, we're staying true to you. And we will continue on knowing that there is a better day coming for those who belong to you. May we be amongst that group. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com. So I will lift up